you doing? I'm good. How you doing? Doing good. Uh, today we're going to talk about cancel culture. Um, right. Super. This is this is really interesting because as we've gotten ready for podcasts and gotten ready for the stuff we're going to talk about, this is the first time that I don't. I didn't in preparation really know how I felt about everything, and I still don't. So right. before, I kind of feel like I had a good like. We're talking about racism, easy stance. Right, racism is bad. Right, we're talking about culture of critique that's impacted my life in such a big way. I support it. Right, I have these really uh, at least well thought out things. This is even when I was like I said prepping for it. Um, it feels like there's a lot of nuance to it as to where the line is of when this becomes really devastating and when it like speaks to the heart condition of who we are as people or when it can be beneficial. And I still don't really know where that is. So as we talk about it, that's kind of what I'm most excited about today is really navigating that and, and discovering what is cancel culture? How does it apply to our lives? You know, where does it hurt? Where does it, you know, um, if there is any help, what does that look like? Um, and I feel like the first thing we can do is what I want to do is talk about trying to define it for a minute. Sure. What is cancel culture? So, um, I did some research and it, or it in 2013, I think someone said it was the first time it kind of popped up as a trending hashtag on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, it was about Bill Cosby. So Bill Cosby came out and he had all these allegations against him about uh, sexual harassment. Um, and people just uh, uh, canceled Bill Cosby. It was like the hashtag. And that was the mm-hmm. first time that people started using that. It's like a common phrase for how to handle someone who did something that's terrible. And in that situation, that was the right thing. He should have been canceled. It sure. was terrible. But what that's turned into is that has caught fire that specific word of, of cancel so-and-so, cancel this restaurant, cancel this politician, cancel this person, cancel this church. Right. Um, and that is now like a legitimate part of like our American dialogue. It's the way we talk now. It's a part, you know, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who's on the internet who hasn't heard that expression at some point. Um, so cancel culture, the way I understand it, is you have people who are outraged about a specific action or a belief or something that a personal organization has participated in. Um, and then they cancel it. They say, hey, we're not going to buy it. It's a boycott. We're not going to buy from them. We're not going to support them. We're not going to watch their content. They're done. They're canceled now. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, that, and so that is kind of the rough outline of it. The way I see it is there are almost two sides of the same coin in this idea of canceling people. The one of them is almost a reasonable part of how we've always operated. So it's almost a new vocabulary, but we've always kind of right. done this. If a company does something that we think isn't great, you've lost my service. Yeah. You know what I mean? You've lost me as a client. You've lost me as a customer. I'm done. Um, and we've always kind of operated in that. We have, a, we have a capitalist economy, and that's what competition does. If people can't offer a good product or they do something wrong, the government doesn't regulate that. If they say something silly, they have free speech. You're right. legally allowed yeah. to say whatever you want in this country as long as you're not like inciting violence or something mm-hmm. along those lines. Um, however, we let people vote with their dollar, right? So that yeah. side of it almost feels obvious. That's how we've always done things, right. not necessarily bad. The other side of this same coin of cancel culture is the idea of, oh, you disagreed with me. You've said something that I don't like, you know, mm-hmm. um, you have a different view than me. And rather than having tolerance and saying we can disagree on a thing, you now must be canceled. Right. Cancel Chick-fil-A because they back a church they donate to a church that that doesn't support homosexuality. You know, right. and it's a cancel yeah. Chick-fil-A, things like that. Um, and that's where the nuance comes in for me and where almost I still don't really know. is like, okay, where do we find that line of like where it's healthy and where it's unhealthy? Um, so that's the way I see cancel culture. Sure. What's your perspective of it? No, I, I agree with you 100% that I think there is has to be a nuanced discussion about it because one of the things that happens in our culture is we have a tendency to brand something with a name 
and that name can have almost immediately have either a negative or positive connotation. So a cancel culture, as I've heard it, has always had a somewhat negative connotation to it. Yeah. So it, it's people that are are complaining about something that's going on. So it's someone wants to cancel something they like, and so they use the phrase cancel culture. So it's a way of saying your perspective on this is just this overdramatic rush to try to cancel everything, you know, and so they use it as a negative. But when you, if you can take a step back from it emotionally and, and really start to think about it, there is good and there, there, are, there are goods and there are bads to the cancel culture. Yeah. Um, the good side of it is the accountability that I think is a good thing in our culture. That, like you've said, it's always been here. We, yeah. We've always had it. So that's the good side is if a company or a person does something that is just so grossly inappropriate, we can speak with whatever leverage we have. So most often in our culture, it's money. So you can speak with your dollar, but we can also speak with our, uh, um, our own relationship. We can speak with our participation in something and we can hold someone accountable. So like the, the Bill Cosby reference that you used, I remember when that first came out, it was a comedian who, who in his stand-up act called Bill Cosby a rapist. And it was so shocking to people because up until that point, he was like America's dad, yeah, you know, yeah. and like people just had, didn't have that side of it. And people actually thought the comedian was either like he had just lost his mind or it was just a really strange bit. And then he was just like, no, really, this guy is known yeah, to be a up. rapist. Sure. Look it up. And so that led, what I would say is something good. It led to accountability with a man who had raped many, many women. And, um, and so then the evidence has started coming out. So there's like a good side to that. Um, but like, I don't, I don't know exactly where I was going with that, but it's just no, sure, that, yeah. that idea of like, it can be good and it can be bad. Where it's bad is where we are no longer tolerant yeah. of anyone else's opinion that's different than ours. And I think we, what we, and I think we're going to talk about today, what we have to figure out is what is the standard that we're going to use to actually say something needs to be canceled mm. versus we can just agree to disagree on this topic. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think that's the massive challenge because there's so many people in this country everywhere who have different standards for what truth is, who have different right. standards for what, what is right, what is wrong. So for some people, again, you know, it's like, let's look at Chick-fil-A, cancel Chick-fil-A because they support where from a Christian perspective, it's like, wow, no, I want to support Chick-fil-A because they're supporting what I would consider mm -hmm. moral ethic. Right. And because we're all defined by different moral ethics, you know, we live, you did a series I don't know, maybe six months ago now, called A Kingdom Without a King, where you really broke down. We live in this postmodern time where, um, uh, where we're in this space where what used to be America's general value is somewhat defined by religion, by like a Christian mm -hmm. Judeo value thing, where, where you could even not be a Christian, but what's right or wrong was kind of defined by that. That's not the case anymore. Right. So now it feels like the Wild West, especially if you look at something like cancel culture. Even cancel culture, the way you, the way you talked about it is like it has such a negative connotation. Um, I think that's like a like we've talked before about branding issues. So I remember yeah. we talked about like defund the police. When I look at all the things that defund the police, there's some stuff that I think like yeah, like we should be better equipping, taking some budgetary stuff and better equipping social workers and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think when you hear a title of something, it can be so jarring. Right. Cancel culture, defund the police, all this stuff, and you're taking something that might have a lot of nuance and complexity, and you're oversimplifying it. For sure. And uh, yeah, so defund the police. We we have mentioned this a couple times now is probably the worst branding Seriously, in yeah. this modern season. Uh, Can because, you explain, you told me once you're talking specifically about the war on terror and you yeah. talked about like maybe some of the best branding ever. President Bush would just use terms like war on terror. 
because, and he would use that to encompass the decisions that he made that might be controversial. He would just throw them all into this group, war on terror. And, and he would frame different things. And like, even going back further, other presidents did the same thing, the axis of evil and yeah. the, the way that they describe stuff. And it was to, to get people like to have a, a difficulty to resist it. So that said, I would say defund the police is actually the opposite of that. Yeah. So it is the, the worst of the, the cancel culture concept in that. Wow. Yeah. So the, the police, the, we, I think we all agree that there are things that have to change within the policing community. But that said, there is a lot of good things that they're doing. And so the defund the police concept is actually what they're trying to say is that money needs to be allocated differently yeah. to do better training, to equip them differently, to maybe bring in social workers and stuff. It just looks like what they're saying is just cancel police, fire the police, yeah. don't give them any money. That would just be anarchy. And I, so it's a horrible branding job. But I would say even just looking at the concept of it, just the immediate response to something that's inappropriate. So if you see one police officer do something that's inappropriate, the response to say defund it. Uh, to radically change it, that just doesn't have enough nuance to it. Like yeah, they, it they have to take a step back and say, that's not the solution. The solution isn't to expose something that's a problem and then the immediate response to be canceled that. Right. And that's why it has a negative connotation as it should, because it, it is a posture that oftentimes lacks grace. Oftentimes, in my opinion, it even lacks information. It's a very ignorant response to things because People are just saying, well, I don't like that, therefore I'm going to cancel it. So here's the problem of it. And this is, the, I think, the part that I even want like our listeners and, and viewers to understand. The cancel culture, we have, I see it all the time on social media, where people are saying it as if it's this outside group. Oftentimes, we associate cancel culture with whatever group is different than us. So like <laughs> yeah, the Republicans will say right. the Democrats are cancel culture because they want to get remove some things that are very Republican and, yeah. and vice versa. Um, we'll do that obviously within the religious community of if a different view of theology and you know we differ in this, like in our modern day Christianity, people are like, if you don't agree with this church who wrote this worship song, cancel culture. Like wow. let's, don't yeah, sing yeah, that yeah. song, right? And again, sure. we've talked about this. So I'm not saying it's a small issue. I'm just saying like, we see this, it's always like whatever this other group is. So we always think this other group wants to cancel culture. Here's the truth that we all have to own. We all are a part of cancel culture yeah. because we all do this. We get mad at someone, a restaurant, and we don't like what they do. Negative review on Google, on Yelp, whatever it might be. Yeah. I'm not going there anymore. We, we see this in the church world. Oh, you, you take this stance on this one thing, I'm no longer coming to your church, right? Like people yeah. hop from church to church because of one thing you know that that a person did, um, and I'll, I'll give you a couple of funny examples of this. Uh, so, like in at, at uh, New Year's this past year, I'm in Michigan looking for a pizza joint that's open so that I can order some food, and uh, nothing was open. So, I'm, but I'm online and I'm looking at different reviews of different places, and this one person wrote a review. It said, "I have gone to this pizza place for 20 plus years." <laughs> this is literally what they said: yeah. 20 plus years but never again. That's crazy. And here's the reason why. They made an order and they did not get their order right, okay? So the <laughs> owner responds to it and says, here's what happened. They ordered a pizza and a burger. So it's kind of like a, a place that had multiple types of food. And we did not put in the bag um, uh, ketchup, mustard, and salt because we don't normally do that with takeout because we make the assumption they're taking it home and they have those items. So they have to request those things. 
So this person, the cancel culture was yeah. like, I've gone here 20 years. You messed up one time. That's it. That's a deal breaker. So obviously we look at that and go, that's unhealthy. But that's us. Yeah. I'll give another one. I had, uh, and I might have shared this before. I don't want to come across like I'm bitter because I've used the same analogy. <laughs> but I had a person one time come into my office. Uh, they scheduled the meeting. They came into my office. Um, uh, it was a, a couple. And they came to tell me how much they loved me and supported me and pledged their allegiance to me. I didn't ask for it. It was like they were saying, we just want you to know we're 100% behind you. This was on Tuesday. On Sunday, they quit our church because on Sunday, I announced the hiring of an individual that they didn't think I should hire, and they didn't even fully understand it. Like They were actually completely wrong on this because they thought I hired a young person, and they thought I should have hired an older person. And the truth was, I hired the oldest person on our staff. So like they were completely wrong, but they canceled me, right? It was like, I'm gone. And it's just, that's, but here's the thing. The reason why I can kind of laugh about that, that's me. Right. That's me yeah, too. Time, I, yeah. I get mad at someone and I'm like, uh, you know, or like a, a restaurant. I'm never going back to that restaurant. Yeah. You know, I'm, not, I'm not going to use that service anymore. Uh, I don't like what you posted on Facebook. People are like, I'm going to unfriend. And so like, we have to own our part in the cancel culture before we, you know what I'm saying? Instead of just saying like yeah. it's an outside group, we have to say, I'm this, I'm part of it. And when we own that, then we can take a step back and go, okay, how can I get healthier in it? Because again, I do believe there's healthy and accountability. There's unhealthy where it lacks grace and it's ill-informed. Yeah, and it's and it's such danger. It's such it's so dangerous to, to think that way and to allow yourself because it's lazy. Here's what's really easy: the pizza the pizza example. I as soon as you started talking about it, I, I like that's so fun. I'll never forget you telling me that. Where I was just so baffled, like you're kidding me. Like someone will frustrate me, and in the moment that they do, now for the rest of my relationship with them, I've already decided where they are in like the compartments of my own mind. Absolutely. I've already disqualified I'll them. I'll never trust them again. I'll never trust them again. Right. I can't I can't have an intellectual conversation because I said that really dumb thing. Or they're probably not a yeah. critical thinker. They're probably I do that all the time and I just have like compartments in my mind of people. And to say that's not cancel culture is like intellectually dishonest because it absolutely is. It's, it mm-hmm. looks different. It doesn't look like right. boycotting a restaurant, but I've mentally canceled you. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I've mentally canceled you as a person or like um, and, and, and it's just lazy thinking and it, and it eliminates any possibility for growth or a discussion. Right. So this is really what this whole thing's about. I could be wrong is I could be wrong is, in my opinion, the opposite of cancel culture in the sense of one of the ways that we cancel people is to say, your idea is so wrong. I'll never even consider it. Yeah. I won't even consider the nuance element of your arguments because and this is what we see on social media is people start and post in such an aggressive tone from the very beginning that they're just basically saying, I don't want you to give me a counterpoint to mm. this. I don't want to discuss this. This is how it is. Your argument's canceled. Your yeah. point's I- I- invalid. And I think that's what's so dangerous is we've lost the ability to just kind of take a step back. And, and like I say to people all the time, like, you got to relax. You got to yeah. chill a little bit because I realize, and I think this is the, the misconception is, if you're able to be relaxed about it, that you're not recognizing the importance of that topic. And I'm say, no, no. You have to understand, you can recognize the importance of a topic and still have peace and still be a chill a little bit, you know, to say like, I want to still discuss this because again, the possibility, I could be wrong. But when we cancel things, that's it. It's like, there's no more discussion about it. There's no more growth on my side because it's like, that's it. And and I think it it doesn't reflect Jesus. It's not the heart of, of, of Christ because again, I think this is what we'll need to talk about is what part... Did Jesus cancel? Was that ever an element of his ministry? So recently, you know, we just had to cancel a Sunday night service, an outdoor service because of uh, the coronavirus here in Lancaster, Ohio, or in Fairfield County, got kicked up to a level three, and there are specific right. guidelines that the 
that the government has suggested that we abide by when that happens. It could be something like that. It could make someone incredibly frustrated and angry. And from that perspective, canceled, done. It could be a theological stance where... You know, you've, you've had people come up to you and literally say, the way you answer this theology question will define if I ever come back. Yeah. Just from Jump Street, like, hi, my name is Matthew. Like, let's start mm-hmm. there. Let's skip that process and jump right <laughs> yeah. into the yeah. intensity of that. Really, what is cancel culture? Of Like, it yeah. doesn't matter. Like, rather than even coming, I could be wrong. Would you like to talk about it? No. Yeah. If you disagree, I'm out. Literally, people's first Sunday, they'll say things like that. Or it could just be, it could be anything. It could be you posting black people matter on Facebook. Right. I'm done. I'm out. Yeah. I'm not coming back to that church. And I think it's relationally devastating, but on top of that, it's devastating to people because it's so hard to learn new things. Right. So if you say something I disagree with, again, the hard thing is to stick it out and to have that conversation. The easy thing is to say, well, I'll go find a church that agrees with me, right. which is devastating to us, and yeah. it's devastating to them in the, in the long run. And it's not, it's not even realistic. You're never going to find you're never going to find an organization, whether you're talking about a church never. or anything, yeah. that you're going to... 100% agree with them for all time. So each person is is just picking and choosing the different standards that's a deal breaker for them. And in my experience, and, and I don't say this lightly because we don't like I don't even want to act like we don't take it seriously when people come and they have frustrations because we very much do. Yeah, like, we're not yeah. we don't have an argumentative posture. We want to hear people's hearts, we want to figure out what's broken, we want to fix it. But the the amount of things that people will use to to end a relationship like in my opinion there are so few things that would cause me to end a relationship that I'm always devastated by it on a personal note. Like when people are mad at me, mad at us as an organization, as a church, and they leave, that's sad for us. Like people need to know that because I think what sometimes people often lose sight of is on the other side of that cancel culture. So on the other side of a criticism, on the other side of a second guessing, there's always going to be a person there in any organization. So yeah. like if you're mad at a restaurant, you're mad at a retail shop, you're mad at a church, uh, you're mad at a, a, a mechanic, whatever, there's a person on the other side of that. And so like there's a very deep relational damage that's being done whenever we cancel things. And uh, so like for us, we, we miss the opportunity to be able to sit down with someone and talk through things so that we can become healthier. But so many people they won't even engage that process. Or if they do engage the process, they come with an already made up mindset of where this ends. I'm, no matter what we say, like we're going to have a conversation, Man, yeah. but I'm leaving no matter what. And, and I think that's the, the damaging part of this cancel culture is be, it's become the rhythm of our lives. And, and I'm going to say something that like this, this has the potential just to be like, oof, okay. Like I, sure, I try yeah. to warn people. I think that heart on the surface is so unchristlike. But it's also so un-American. Like it, it even on both sides. Wow. I don't, I don't think it's, it's proper. And here's what I mean by that. So I'll, I'll talk about both real quickly. Jesus never canceled a person relationally. Wow. Like you just can't find it in Scripture. Even to the extreme of Jesus on his last day here on earth. So like this is his last most important moments. Washes the feet of men he knows are going to betray him. Yeah. So he washes the feet of Judas, who's going to sell him out to the point of death. Which, if you're going to cancel someone, there he's the guy, right? Right. You know? yeah. He washes the feet of Peter, who he then says to him before morning time, "You, who's one of my best friends, are going to deny that you even know me three different times." He washes the feet of the other ten, and every single one of them scattered. So Jesus did not cancel them. After the fact, who did Jesus appear to first? Peter. Wow. He goes to him first to not cancel him, but to restore him. Yeah. And even the conversation that we do see recorded in the scripture where he says, Peter, do you love me? He goes, yes. He goes, feed my sheep. 
Peter, do you love me? He's like, yes, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Like, it almost seems like he's antagonizing him, but he's not. He's given him three opportunities to confess him because he had three opportunities where he denied him. He wasn't canceling Peter. He was restoring him. So it, we, we look at it and go, the cancel culture is so unchristlike, but it's also on another level so un-American because what makes our country phenomenal is the idea that we can have different opinions and live together peacefully. This wow. is what makes us unique as yeah. a country, that we can have a different person be elected from a different political party, and there can be a peaceful transfer of power, and now we're going to coexist. So I'm going to have a person that's a president over me at times in my life that I didn't vote for. Wow. Yeah, different yeah, yeah, yeah. opinions, different views, and I'm still going to respect the office. I'm still going to pray for them and love them and support absolutely. them. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I'm going to want them to succeed, even though they believe differently or think yeah. differently because they represent the country. And this is what we're losing in our country is we don't want the people who think differently than us to succeed. Yeah. We, we want them to like all to become just like us. So here's a weird analogy. The people who will most war against the concept of communism in a practicality, want communism to be the, the existence of our country. What I mean by that is they want one unified idea on right. all topics and all behavior. And it's like, that's not what makes our country yeah. great. That's the whole thing you're really arguing against, this idea exactly. of like, you know, celebrating diversity. And that's like, I, even like, you know, I open up this thing of like, I don't even really know what I believe. This is such like a, like a subtle conversation of where these lines are drawn. Even as you were talking, I think what hit me so hard is this idea of like never, ever, ever cancel people. Ever cancel ideas and problems, cancel sin. Say, I'm yeah. always against this. I'm always against racism. Right. I'm always against yeah. my Bill Cosby. I'm always against um, you know, sexual harassment. I'm always against rape. I'm always against murder. I'm always against, you know, theft. Yeah. Never, never cancel people though, because man, like 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 you said, who who did Jesus Jesus cancel? Right. And and you that's know? the part of it. So if you look at it, because we'll have some most of our people who are watching this or engaging this are going to be Christians because that's the context of it. So if you look at it from a Christ-like perspective, you go, what did Jesus cancel? All he warred against was sinful things, destructive yeah. things. So he drove people out of the temple. I mean, there was an aggressive uh, of the temple, the, the merchants that were trying to turn the his father's house into a, just really, it was theft, it was deceit, it was the taking advantage of the poor, he drove them out. He was trying to cancel that behavior. When he was confronted with sinful behavior, like the, the woman caught in adultery, his response to her was loving, but he says, don't go back into that lifestyle. Like, yeah. cancel that, the, the behavior, but he's never canceling the people. And so yeah. that's, that is the challenge for us, is that we can still look at things that are destructive, and we can use the authority or the opportunities that God has given us. We can vote. We can have discussions about it. We can try to influence people. So even like using our whatever sure, platform yeah. God gives us, social media, whatever. But we have to do it in a way that's respectful and that isn't dishonoring other people because that's, again, it's not on one side of this, that's not Christ-like. On the other side, it's not American. We should be as, and we're not seeing this modeled anywhere, it really healthfully. We should be modeling, though, to the world we can agree to disagree and we can still love each other. We can yeah. still be respectful. So again, whether it be because we're the body of Christ and we're united or we're Americans and we're united, but, but we're just not seeing it. And it's because of a, a culture that just goes too much to the extreme. It went from accountability to now it's just a way to control, manipulate, abuse. And it's become really the uh, mob mentality. 
yeah. of if I, if I can get the momentum going. So now in our culture, it's through hashtags and social media. But if I can get this momentum going, then we can make this happen quickly. And unfortunately, that oftentimes doesn't lend itself toward discussions. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah. Yeah, and it's anti-people. You it know? is anti-people. Like, it's super anti-people. So, you know, for reference, like I have one of my closest friends in the whole world. He's a pastor. He is a Democrat. And in his mind, he has really good reasons to be a Democrat. Right. Right. So if you ask him about it, he's an intelligent guy. He say, here are the five reasons. Yeah. He's ready. We disagree on a lot of those reasons, but he has reasons for it. He's not dumb. He's not evil. He's not wicked. Right. Those are his opinions. Those are his thoughts. We live in a time now, we're talking about cancel culture. We literally are trying to cancel like 50% of Americans right now with the way and how aggressively we speak about our political opinions. Sure. So I know that like, I'll see people on Facebook all the time say really intense, harsh things about the opposing political party. Yeah. A bunch of snowflakes, you know, a bunch of yeah. Yeah, like really right. aggressive language where, again, like in the same way I said earlier, I'm, I'm, I can put people into compartments in my mind and disqualify them. That's how that's cancel culture. So is that going on Facebook and speaking out and speaking so aggressively against and where it's so devastating is that the people that you're talking about are one of two people in my mind. One, they're saved and that's your brother or sister in Christ. Right. Um, they are literally a spirit-filled person who is filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. There are biblical consequences to taking a sledgehammer to the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, there is, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not going to be the kind of person who stands from afar and behind, do the keyboard warrior thing and throw rocks at the temple. Not going to do it. Right. It's, it, it's unacceptable. That person is your brother and sister. You can disagree with them. And, that, and that's a big part of it, too. We have to be deeply comfortable with saying, boy, I really think you're wrong, but still extending them the same kindness, grace, love, respect, yeah. dignity that Jesus did. You know? Yeah, for one, because we're called to do that. Apart from another person's behavior, we're called to love. Okay, so there's, there's no question about that. But here's the truth is in every situation concerning believers, you're always going to have more in common with a believer than you will with someone who looks exactly like you but is not a person of faith. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like there's more commonality, and that's what we have to celebrate. It's the essentials of what we're called to do. I know the second group you're going to say, you said we fall in one of two categories. The first one is believers. I'm assuming yeah. you're going to say the second one's non-believers. Right. Yeah, absolutely. At which point we're called. We're called <laughs> right. to love them and to be the light for them. And this is one thing uh, I, I speak on. I, I got to get out of the habit of saying, I, I kind of summarize my own teaching of saying I harp on these issues. I'm not harping on them as in like I'm just like on some um, soapbox. It's the truth of the Word of God that we have to proclaim to say, we have to understand more so than any other thing we are called to be the light to the world in darkness. When our speech is about canceling people and things, we just have to own this. That's darkness. Wow. That's not light. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. And this is the part that I think a lot of people wrestle with. And I think they're, wrestle, they're wrestling with it genuinely, but I think they have to take a step back emotionally, is they think that fighting against sinful things, that you can do it in any way, just as long as you're fighting against it, not realizing that method matters, how you get wow. there matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if you are demeaning someone, if you are throwing them into a box, calling them snowflakes, um, but I've seen people, they'll say, like, here's one, I, they call them bedwetters. Like, I didn't know that was a thing. Like, and I'm seeing Christians post Crazy. this stuff, and I'm going, there's no way in the world this honors Christ. Yeah. And so like we belittle people, we cancel them, and, but then we fall back on, but I'm fighting for truth. And I'm going, who's truth? <laughs> yeah. Because Jesus right. is the one who had the truth. He yeah. literally said about himself, I am the way, yeah. the truth, the life. He had the truth, the only truth that the world had not seen yet, 
And he did not belittle people. Yeah, and he could have. He could have and been justified. Absolutely. If anybody had the right to be belittling, to speak down to people, to speak aggressively, it would be the person who is truth because there's no fear of being wrong. Right. So I think we all have, at least we should, have built-in humility. But I'd say most of us have that built-in humility. Jesus didn't. It wasn't a dice roll. Yeah. It wasn't a gamble. He knew uh-huh. he was right. And, and I know how insufferable I am when I know I'm right. <laughs> oh, I know. There, there's, there's few better feelings than when you're in an argument and you just know and you're you know right. The, the plane landed in your brain. You just worked out like the perfect thing, yeah. the perfect rebuttal. And, and, and I, so I know how crazy I am. Jesus was right always, no matter what. I know. And he still somehow operated with and love and grace. I know. And, what, and what, one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible, like, I feel like every at least fourth or fifth time I get to teach, I try to bring this up because I think it's so powerful. Once I, you know, once you can really live in that space and understand how it applies to the way we should talk to people, is Jesus and Zacchaeus mm-hmm. talking about Jesus, and he's talking to this tax collector who tax collectors at the time are like legitimate traders. They are. They literally, yeah. it's God's holy land. A lot of times they'd sell a little chunk of their holy land to get the upstart money to be a tax collector. On top of that, they're stealing money from their yeah, they own people. they turn around and steal from their own people. Yeah. Crazy. So we're talking about real deal from a from a cultural standpoint, really scummy people. Yeah. You know, on, on a religious aspect, on a personal aspect, on a thieving aspect. Jesus looked at this person and always being right, had the complete authority and ability to say, you are a sinner, you are broken, mm-hmm. like you're a crook, you're a liar, you're a thief. He could have looked at Zacchaeus in the tree and called him all these things, but instead said, we're going to go to dinner, we're going to your house. Mm-hmm. And from a relational standpoint, it's a bummer that we don't get to see that dialogue. Right. You know, I think there's probably you see that You see the end of it. Yeah, you see the end of it. Zacchaeus, like, hands in the air, I'm giving back everything, I'm changing mm-hmm. everything. If Jesus would have opened with aggression, and with because I know I'm right, right. if he would have opened with aggression, it may have eliminated. Now, now Jesus was also God, so he has the cheat code. Maybe it would have happened either way. But if he would have opened with aggression and just exposing sin in a public way, or, or, or doing that, whatever he did in that in that dinner, without the relational context mm-hmm. first of showing him love and showing him grace and dignity and respect that he's worthy of even going to dinner with him, if he would have skipped that part, how much harder would have Zacchaeus's heart have been? Right. It may he may have completely disqualified himself from ministering yeah. to Zacchaeus because he already saw Jesus on Facebook earlier say. A bunch of crooks and snowflakes and whatever they <laughs> bad wetters <laughs> or yeah or a bunch of crooked you know greedy Republicans right. or a bunch of you know who cares like either way when you take these hard stances you've eliminated your possibility and your potential for ministering to that, yeah. that person and that's not worth it right the the series that I just got done doing I started it with so the one's called extravagant light I started with this idea that was so remarkable that Jesus loved people that were like nothing like him, but it, it drew people in for him to love them more and, and proclaim the gospel to them. And when you see this, so Jesus, the most holy individual that's ever been, I mean, literally yeah. never sinned, and yet people who were the worst were drawn toward him is remarkable. Yeah. Because like, I think about the woman where he, Jesus is having dinner with this religious leader and the woman who's a prostitute comes in and, and falls at his feet and is worshiping him, crying at his feet, wiping his feet with her hair. And the guy, the religious leader in the room goes, like, he thinks this in his mind. He says, if Jesus was really a prophet, he would know what type of woman this is. Mm. In, in essence, he would rebuke her. He would yeah. not allow this to happen. Jesus, reading his thoughts, which is the ultimate mic drop. Right. It? Like, <laughs> he just says, he, he says to the guy, he goes, you know, who loves more? The person who's been forgiven of a little or the person who's been forgiven of a lot? And the guy says a lot. He goes, yeah. And, and then Jesus, you know, challenges this guy. But I just think about that moment, the, the fact that this woman felt the safety to be in the presence of a person who was holy 
and to feel loved. Like that's a remarkable thing. Jesus doesn't compromise truth, but he behaved in such a way that people felt safe. This past week, I was at the gym where I work out at, and a, a guy that uh, he uh, comes to our church, got saved at our church, and I was sitting there having a conversation. We began the conversation in total disagreement. He, he did not agree with me, and we weren't heated at all, never at any point, like we're friends. But we just were in 100% disagreement in the beginning. And by the end of the discussion, he was like, okay, I 100% agree with you. I get what you're saying now. Because we just had this discussion that was built upon relational equity that yeah. we've had. That's what we're trying to get people to understand is you can still communicate truth. But when you're communicating truth in a harsh way, you shut people down. But when you communicate truth without the context of relationship, it's oftentimes shut down before it even begins. And I think right now we're trying to fight truth and cancel things from afar because it's safe. I can hide behind a keyboard. I can hide behind the phone. Yeah. I can blast people. And like I said earlier in our discussion, not recognizing that every time I blast someone or write something or I'm aggressive, there's a person on the other side of that. So like, I'll be vulnerable for a second. When people want to criticize us and our decisions as a church, there's a person on the other side of that, you well, know, like, yeah. and, and I'm just being honest for a moment yeah. I, and I'm not trying to be bitter or trying to be a baby or about it, but I just think guys, all the history that we have, you don't think that I'm, we've prayed about it, yeah. that we like literally every decision we're making, we're discussing it to the sickening level. Like we're, go, we're like multiple times a day, we're going back and forth and then you make a decision. And, I, and that's why I don't say that again, just to sound like a, like I'm pouting or something like that. I say that for context. That's happening everywhere. Every business in our town, every government official, they're weighing out all kinds of things and then making the best decision. And then our response to it is, you're wrong, you're evil. Like it just lacks grace. And it's, it's again, we're, we're the problem with that cancel culture. Yeah, yeah, we 100% are. And people, people are worthy of better than that because they're made in the image of God. For sure. Period. Like, like when people are so aggressive, you know, political leader specifically. And man, I, that's a tough one for me. Honestly, all these things are tough ones for me in my head. Like I said, I have this problem where it's so easy for me to like put you in that compartment of, well, now, now you're an idiot. <laughs> right. you know? well, yeah. Yeah. That's your you're, box. You're in the idiot box. <laughs> you're the, yeah, you're the idiot. <laughs> you're, now you're in the idiot box. And that's like, now every time you talk, I view you through that lens. And it's, <laughs> and it's just this never ending battle in my own mind of reminding myself that like, what they said might even be idiotic. Like I said, I'm comfortable being against, you know, sin and being against things that yeah. I find as sinful behavior. What they said or what they did might be idiotic, but man, they're they're still in the image of Christ. You right. know? Like like God still loves them and is extending mm -hmm. grace and kindness to them. And the moment that I don't, you know, I'm participating in the same behavior that devastates me when I'm on the receiving end of it. One hundred percent. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not any better in that in that mm -hmm. regard. I, you know, I'm doing the same thing. And if anyone should know better, it should be me. Cause you know, you know, you and I are both in our, everyone on any staff in any church or any, yeah. any, any boss or, you know, employer at a job, you're all kind of under this spotlight of the way you do and the decisions you make impact people. You are now yeah. vulnerable to the opinions about the decisions that you made. And I know how mm -hmm. hard that is yeah. and how vulnerable that feels to know there's a lot of people who are very frustrated with me right now and I'm just trying my best. And so for me to not extend that. 100%. And devastating. That, that's what I constantly stress with our church is the way that you will show grace better is by understanding how much you need grace. Hmm. It, it will always be through that. Like the, the moment a person becomes self-righteous, they're going to lack grace. Yeah. You know, and, and so when we, when we understand the grace that we need, we'll, we will show grace better. And, and the reason why that's so important too is 
there is a, a need for accountability. There, there is in our culture. Mm, yeah. uh, we talked about the culture of critique. Um, we should hold we should hold government officials accountable. I mean, that's literally our responsibility as people. So that's not rebellious. That's our responsibility. There should be accountability through our voting, through our discussions. Uh, we should hold e each other accountable. We should hold businesses accountable, like all of those things. But accountability, apart from grace, is not really accountability. It's judgment wow. and it's aggression. And it's just, it's never going to be safe. I don't want someone to hold me accountable that doesn't love me. Right? I wow. mean, because yeah. I'm just saying on a, on a really personal note, I want the person that I know that loves me just come down and sit, sit with me and say, hey, I've noticed some behavior that's not great. So my wife is, is this to me. My wife is the per person who can push back on stuff uh, more so than any other person. And because it is through the context of love, I can receive it. Doesn't make it always easy, but I know Mary, more than any other person in this world, wants the best for me. Yeah. And so like, I can swallow it easier. But in our culture, it's like, if people don't know that, all they see is the accountability and it, it's so wounding. It's just cancel it, culture at that it point. It is. It's and not so, accountability, yeah. Yeah, right. I just want you to be done. Yeah. And so like, even in our culture with the accountability, there has to be grace within that. And that's what the cancel culture is unhealthy about is, I want this person fired. I want, so I want this actor off of this movie. I want this sport person to lose their endorsements. Or I saw a tweet that this comedian put out 10 years ago. Right. So and now they're canceled because yeah. of it, which is even that is so crazy because you're saying like, well, I'm not for growth necessarily. Right. I want the, I just want them to be canceled. I want. So if you're if we're going to hold someone accountable, there has to be within that freedom or space to repent. Yeah. So wow. like if we're yeah, going to yeah, say yeah. like, OK, that behavior is wrong, then we also have to respond when that person says you're right. And then to say, I'm sorry. So like a perfect example recently was Drew Brees. Uh, a professional athlete, uh, I believe a born-again Christian, and um, basically came out and said he's not going to um, kneel for the flag and was basically against that movement, which is his right. Yeah. So the cancel culture got fired up about it, okay? And like, let's, you know, he's let's done. attack Kick him. him. He's done, yeah, all this kind yeah. of stuff. He then had really good conversations with people that were connected to him, athletes that he was on a team with, other leaders in the community, and then he came out and said, okay, I've changed my opinion. And I don't know that he's ever going to kneel, but he, he came out and said, I, I understand it more fully. So when I looked at that, that was a total win in my mind. Yeah, of huge. People were saying, hey, hold on. You know, like there's a different perspective to this. He said, okay, let me hear that perspective. And, and my guess is some of the threat in that was probably his endorsement said to him, like, easy, like yeah. you're in a, in a tough time. So there was some unhealthy side to this. But the healthy part of it was he came out and said, I have a new perspective. And then other people got mad at him for changing his mind. Yeah. So one group wanted to cancel his initial opinion. Other people wanted to cancel his new opinion. And I thought, guys, it was unhealthy on both sides. Hold someone accountable. Let them discuss. Let them grow. Let them change their mind. And that's a good thing. So like the same thing we've said recently or in one of our previous ones, like we'll even see like a politician who one time believed something now 30 years later has changed. And people look at that and say that's a negative. Canceled. You can't Canceled. be voted in because one time he did. Right. And, it, and what it is, is is you're literally eliminating the possibility of people feeling comfortable with saying I'm wrong. Man, you eliminate people from even wanting to grow. Yeah. Now, now I want to 100%. fight to the death on my opinion. I want to die on this hill because I'm going to lose anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well feel like I'm right, you know? Uh, yeah. I, and I've done that in my marriage. I remember my wife saying to me one time, um, I was complaining about a behavior and then she said, like, I'm sorry. 
I can't remember how it was, but I was basically saying like, you apologize too fast. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I didn't literally say that, but that's kind of what I implied. And she basically said to me, you've put me in a no-win situation. You've complained about something. And then I've said, okay. And now you're saying like, it's not genuine. Yeah. That, that's what it was. It was like, and we all do this. It's like, like, you're not doing this behavior. I want you to. And then that person goes, okay, I'll do it. And we're like, yeah, but we really want it to come from the heart. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it's like so unfair. Okay. So uh, here's, here's, I'm going to go like real heavy for a moment. Okay. Yeah. This is actually what led to this discussion about cancel culture. Um, so this is actually kind of funny because we started talking about this last week and we were saying like, all right, let's talk about this topic. And then we said, well, it's actually a broader topic. So I want to like address one specific thing. So it's kind of just wrapping up all that we've said. When I was having a discussion with my friend about this, I, I, I posed to him this idea about racism. And I said, here's a tension that I'm observing that right now we have just classified certain behaviors as the, the unpardonable sin, and racism is one of them. So if you are called a racist, then that's it. That's it. It's a deal breaker, right? Like you, yeah. you are canceled because if you do anything racist, the negative of that is we're not allowing people to say, you're right, I struggle with that. Mm. I want to grow. I struggle with that. And so the only proper response to racism is to say, I'm not a racist. So like in, in this, so follow my logic for a moment. If I, if I were to say to you, hey, do you ever shade the truth ever in your life? You exaggerate something, you don't tell the full truth because you don't want the consequence of it, or you just outright lie. Do you ever do that in your life? I would say the average person would go, sure, yeah. sure. Like we all do that, okay. So I would say, so, you know, basically there are times you're a liar. You know, like, ooh, like the, we call it a liar, that stings a little bit, but we go, yeah, that's the yeah, truth. Technically, yeah, absolutely. Technically, right. like I, yeah. And then we go, because there's not a cancel culture with that. Right. Like, yeah, you're right, I exaggerate. We go, yeah, we all do. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. that is what it is. Uh, if I say, hey, are you the best husband all the time? No, I'm not. I know I can be grumpy, I can be selfish. Yeah, right, so I can say, I can put a title on that. Okay, bad husband. You're like, well, I'm not a bad husband. I just, moments of that, okay. At times I, I am, or yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. There's no cancel culture for that. But then we say racism, cancel culture. If you admit that you're a racist, it's a cancel culture. So here's the problem of it. People won't even open their minds to the possibility that there's racism in their heart, that they have prejudices, because our culture has said, this is the unpardonable sin. If you acknowledge this, it's over. And so now people have to take a militant response to this, and they won't even grow. You, you, are you following yeah, my logic? absolutely. And they're just like, well, I can't even acknowledge it. Where here's the truth. And no one, this is what I, my one friend that I talked about where I changed his mind. This is where I began. I said, I think we're all racist. Yeah. And he was like, well, I'm not a racist. And I go, why not? He goes, I'm not a white supremacist. I'm not a part of the KKK. And I go, I know. We've now created a standard that says it, it, the only way you're a racist is the ultimate evil. You have to be a guy who wears a hood. You have to get, you know, be a Nazi yeah. or whatever. But the truth is we have prejudices about races in our heart because we're not that other race. We're, yeah. we're ignorant on things. We're, uh, there's, there's things that there's the implicit bias that we didn't even realize is a part of our heart. But we won't even have a discussion about it. We won't even address it because we're so afraid of the, the, the cancel culture that we can't even say now, yeah, it's a possibility I'm a racist. So the truth of it is, is I think all of us have racism, but we can't address it because it's not safe to address it. And that was where, what led to this discussion was when we create an environment where we can't acknowledge our failures for the fear of being canceled, there's no more growth. Yeah. There's no more healthy discussion. There's no more development of our thinking. And, and so this is what happens now just in our culture is everyone has to go in self-protective mode and it, it really is unhealthy and it's, it's stopping the, the maturation process. Yeah. And that's, 
And that's my challenge to myself on this topic. Like I said, I, like, I do this all the time in my own mind. So my challenge going forward and to anybody, stop it. <laughs> stop. Here, tell, tell this funny story. There was a comedian show where the guy did like one minute oh, yeah, therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 this guy. I, maybe it was an old SNL bit where the guy's like. It was like Bob Newhart. It was Bob guy, Newhart. He's like, he's the most gentle spirit. I feel like just looking at him, but he's doing counseling. It's like one minute counseling. This lady comes in, she's like, I'm just dealing with like obsessive compulsive disorder. It's really distracting me. He goes, Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> that was his counseling. Over and over. Like, stop, just, stop it. Stop it. Like, yeah. stop. I'm really anxious. Stop it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but seriously, like that, that has that's gonna be my challenge. And what I'm gonna try to keep at the forefront of my brain, what I encourage everyone to stop it. Stop canceling uh people. Republicans. Yeah. Stop canceling <laughs> Democrats. Stop canceling Black Lives Matter protesters. Stop canceling police officers. Just like stop. Yeah. Have discourse, have dialogue, yeah. have disagreement. Stop putting people in these camps like, well, now they must be, or now right. they can't. Just man, no. There's gotta be more nuance to that. Yeah. 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 And I think I hope what I hope this discussion does is it causes people to take a step back and actually in peace. Hmm. Like not to be argumentative, but they just go, You're right. Yeah. You know, like I don't have to be as fired up. As I think I do. On Sunday, I did a Q&A session. So when this is recorded this past week, I did a Q&A session. And one of the things I said to people is like some of the, the responsibility that we feel ownership of, God's never given us. Yeah. God's wow. never given us to say, this is what I want you to do. So God's never given us the responsibility to cancel people. Yeah. It, it's, not, it's not our role that we have to play. In, in our lives as Christians, there's the role of accountability. There's the, the role of confrontation at times. Mm. But we have to always manage that within the context of the scriptural parameters. Otherwise, we're going to wound people. And so in those parameters is a lot of love and a lot of grace, a lot of understanding, and a lot of discussion to yeah. talk to people and to get to know them. And I would say to people, if you want to cancel someone's point of view, understand this. On the other side of that, as a person who genuinely thinks they're doing the right thing, mm. and more often than not, they love God, they love people, they love the country, even if we're talking about that in context— so if they have all of those truths about them and they think something differently than you, then there's a perspective that you might benefit from. Yeah. So let's time. have that discussion. Let's have that conversation. Let's not just cancel them because they view differently. Because the moment we do that, we're stuck. The moment we start canceling people, we're stuck in a rut. We're not going to grow. We're in this box. And I just think like this whole thing's about, I could be wrong. It, if we don't have that mindset, then we're just never going to mature. Yeah. You know, the moment we do that, we're stuck. All those things are true. The moment you do that, you're also actively moving against what Jesus did and the way he behaved. Yeah. So as Christians, like we have to be better about that. Absolutely. We have to be held to that level and just saying, like, this is not how Jesus did it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like Jesus approached everything through that relational lens, and as we should too. So this is great, man. Like, like I said, I came into this with like more really questions and comments of like, yeah. I don't really know how I feel about all this, but this is super good stuff. Yeah. Any anything that we look at can be taken to an unhealthy level or can be taken to a healthy level. We make that choice. Wow. And yeah. so the, yeah, and on this topic, if, if we choose to be unhealthy about it, we're going to perpetuate that rhythm of destruction. And if we choose to be healthy about it, there, a lot of life can come out of it. And that's, again, what God's called us to do, to be the light so that people can walk out of darkness. Awesome. Thank you very much, man. Yeah, thank you.